1: The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. There is one destination that we all ought to be heading, and that's for the glory and for the honor and the praise of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. One Lord, one Spirit, one God who works all in all. Regardless of the giftings, regardless of how God is using you in your particular life and ministry, our goal is, again, that focus of coming together All under Christ.
0: One has been given the gift of teaching, and another has been given the gift of mercy. Some may be blessed with healing or speaking in tongues. What must we keep in mind when considering our spiritual gifts? The heart of Pastor David's message today is that there are many gifts, but there is one God, one Spirit, and one Christ in which we serve. Our gifts flow from the love of God, and when we use our spiritual gifts, we're joining in the flow of God's love for this world, which benefits ourselves and others. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message entitled, Desiring Spiritual Gifts.
1: Have you ever been in that situation where you were lost or you, you, you got to a place where you, you just simply took the wrong turn? I remember one year we were traveling across uh, country our trips to Louisiana and uh, back to uh, Arizona. We could write books about some of the stuff that took place, uh, some of those trips. But uh, I was supposed to be guiding my mother. I was uh, younger at that time. Uh, my, one of my other brothers was with us, so two two kids, two teenagers, and my mom was driving across country, and I was her navigator. And so invariably, the, of course, this is the time before you had the electronic uh, maps, so I've got this map, and I've got it all fold, uh, you know, unfolded in front of me, and uh, we come to a place, and I'm saying, turn left, here. And she's saying, you're using... You're, you're, no, I'm sorry. i kind of blue. I'd say, turn right here. But I would use my left hand. And she would look at me and says, do I turn left or right? I said, no, I meant turn left. And I would use the other. And I was like getting so confused. And there was a couple of times we actually did get lost. And we ended up someplace in the middle of San Antonio. I don't know why we're not still there to this day. We got so lost. But then as I grew up and I began driving, I figured that there was uh, usually a shorter way to get to some places than what some of the maps would say. And so uh, it's the things that uh, our children used to call dad's shortcuts. For some reason, this is not uh, advancing. It was before we had uh, GPS or global positioning systems. And so I would figure out a great way to go. And of course it would take us about a half hour or an hour longer to get there than what we were planning on, on doing. And yeah, we actually got lost on a few occasions, not so desperately lost, but definitely in a place we didn't know where we were. We pretty much had to backtrack quite a bit to be able to get there. And again, one of the ways of getting yourself back on track, back on course, is to look back at the beginning and, and try and get a clearer understanding of how you got to where you're at. And that's what I feel we need to do this evening. We're continuing on in our study. We're actually in... 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We're kind of finishing up chapter 13, then moving on into 14. But even before we get there, I want to step back a moment, get kind of a clearer picture of where we're headed in this whole section of Scripture. And don't worry, I'm not going to go back and reteach the entire thing again. I simply want us to go back to the first few verses of chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. Paul's kind of laying out his reasoning again for this current discussion on spiritual gifts, and as we've been going through this, chapter twelve was a number of weeks ago. Now, whereas the GPS tells you where you are at the time, and then with uh, you know other kind of software and programming. It can also tell you where you're headed. It can also kind of give you the uh, ETA, the estimated time of arrival. Well, tonight we're going to use kind of a different GPS system. I'm calling it God's positioning system. And again, it's the idea that, man, when we get off track, the best thing to do is to find out from the Lord where we're at and where we need to be. You could also call it the spiritual positioning system. And again, making sure that that you're where you need to be, place that, again, to, to help us understand better also where we're headed to. Now, you might have an electronic version of the Bible. You might have a dead tree version of the Bible, like one of these. But again, I want you, if you would, turn with me to First Corinthians. We'll begin actually in chapter 12, chapter 12, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm just gonna look at a couple of verses there. In chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, we read, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. You could circle that, you could underline that. That's a great word right there. I don't want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, you were carried away to these dumb idols, however, you were led. In other words, you were traveling a path you didn't really know where you were going. You're ending up, you were totally lost at that point in time, okay? If we can keep the same kind of illustration going. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. No one can say that Jesus is Lord except the Holy Spirit. In other words, you're not going to get on the right track. You're not going to go the right way until you have a right relationship with Jesus Christ. He goes on in verse four, he says, there are a diversity of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. There is one destination that we all ought to be heading, And that's for the glory and for the honor and the praise of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. One Lord, one Spirit, one God who works all in all. Regardless of the giftings, regardless of how God is using you in your particular life and ministry, our goal is, again, that focus of coming together all under Christ. I think it's awesome that Paul starts out with that idea, I don't want you to be ignorant. And then he gives us some pretty clear instruction on what we need to do. Next, we see in verses 4, 5, and 6 there, he says that there are diversities and differences in these gifts, just as there are diversities and differences within the body of Christ. And even in the diversities and the differences, we need to remember that it's all the same God who works all in all. The last point of reference is actually found there in verse 7. And again, he speaks about these gifts are given for the profit of all, And along with that is that declaration that's found down in verse 11. The Holy Spirit distributes the gifts to each one individually as he wills. So now with basically these three points in mind, I want to work hard to remain on the course As we continue on where we left off last time, where we left off last time was the end of 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13, beginning in verse 8. So let's begin actually there tonight. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8 Love never fails. But rather there are prophecies, they will fail. Rather there are tongues, they will cease. Rather there is knowledge, it will vanish away, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part will be done away with. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face." Now I know in part, but then I shall be known just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is what, church? Love. And again, as we spoke last time we were in this section, that love is the agape love that self-sacrificing love, that love that's not looking all the time for a payback. You know, I love you this much, you need to love me this much. But again, the love of God is that he poured out his love upon us even while we were still sinners. And that's the anticipation. That's the kind of love that he wants for us in our life and to be growing in our life. Now, all that Paul says there in those verses, that's quite a mouthful, but Paul has been really clear as he continues on in this whole theme from the earlier verses of chapter 13, where he declares, again, the importance and the necessity of that agape love. And we have to have that. There, 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 there's no option at this point. As we looked at the beginning of chapter 13, hey, though you have all kinds of great gifts, though you have all kinds of awesome ministries that you're working if you don't have that kind of a love, that self-sacrificing love, then again, you are, as Paul says, we become nothing. We become like clanging cymbals, noisy gongs. Again, we become absolutely useless, truly, for the kingdom of God. And again, try not to reteach the whole section, but we need to, we need to make sure we bear that in mind as we continue to, to look on forward. To declare that love never fails... That's really. I look at that and I think of that in two different vantage points. The first of them being is our absolute dependence upon love. Do you know how much you need love in your life? Every one of us need it. Every one of us. Not me. I'm you know I'm I'm pretty strong, old tough guy. No, you need love in your life. And you cannot shut it off of your life. Every one of us needs love. We were designed that way by our creator, by God himself. From the experiences of a couple of uh, friends of mine who uh, served as missionaries in uh, Gretzny and in Russia, come some uh, thoughts that, again, they both of them on, on different trips went to orphanages there in the former Soviet Union. And there they'd find these children, again, whose parents, they were either dead or they were imprisoned, or the parents had simply abandoned the kids because they couldn't afford to, to feed them and to take care of them. Well, these kids, uh, from the youngest age, they were simply sheltered. They, they, I mean, warehoused in there, and that's about it. In the most despicable of, of all kinds of conditions, seldom were these children cleaned, they were never coddled. They were rarely held or or, or rocked, and they were never played with. They were just pretty much fed, and and fed only the minimum to be able to keep them alive. They were barely clothed when they were clothed at all. and Many of them had a lot of different sicknesses, different kinds of diseases that, again, that that made those workers keep even further away from them. Their human-to-human contact was almost non-existent and both of these friends of mine says that when you go into these places you look at the emptiness literally of the souls of these children and you can see it in their eyes you can you can see it in the way that they respond to because there's there's just a deadness in there because love has never really wrapped those children in its arms they've never experienced that kind of human relationship at all in their lives they're literally to the point of being dead on the inside but once these these guys and other missionaries came they they took the time to pick these children up to to hold them to to just play with them to to speak with them to just share love with them they said it was like they were resurrected I mean, literally coming out of the dead to suddenly there was a little bit of sparkle in their eyes. Why? Because somebody loved on them for a little bit. We need love. Love is necessary for all things. We need love in our life, the love of God, the love of family, the love of friends, all of this. And when we experience all of these in our lives, that's when we find that love never fails, It never fails to make us feel complete. It never fails to make us feel whole in our lives. Secondly, I think that love never fails, speaking about the fact that it'll never end, that love will never end. True, agape love will never end. Although everything else runs its course and fades away, although this world is gonna be destroyed and all that's in it, agape, love, never fails. This love is that ultimate reality actually of eternity for us. God's love that we can experience right now is just a small taste of the reality of what eternity is. The love of God demonstrated in its fullness the completeness of our love for God and each other without any kind of constraint. Can you imagine that point in time when we get off into eternity no longer bound and shackled by this carcass that we gotta carry all around. and We try to take care of, but it's just rotting away. Let's face it, it's rotting away. I don't care how much money you spend to try to take care of it. It's not gonna last you more than, and if you get 100 years out of it, man, you got bonus time, okay? It's gonna rot away, but eternity is coming. And we're not gonna be held down by anything. Our love, our care, our concern for others is just gonna be unbounded, unrestrained. And again, that's what God wants to give to us. Verse 8 there in in chapter 13 speaks about the fact that though love never fails, he says prophecies are going to fail. Tongues are going to cease. And knowledge, that, that spiritual gift of knowledge, that'll no longer be needed. The interesting thing, if those things were given to us by God as spiritual gifts for us now, why would they be done away with? Why, why wouldn't they last like forever? I think because just what Paul says here, there comes a time when they won't be necessary. It won't be needful at all. Right now in this realm, in this age, verse 9 says, now we know in part and we prophesy in part. Why? Because again, not everything is revealed to us. But at that time, once we get again face to face with the Lord, man, we'll know all things all things will be revealed to us. We won't need the gift of prophecy or a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge or any of those gifts. Why? Because again, then we will know. Same is true with the gift of tongues. Tongues, again, given as a way of praising and glorifying God beyond what we are physically and normally capable of within our own understanding. There'll come a time when we're not gonna be limited by the hindrance of any kind of a human flesh. There's gonna come a time when we're gonna be standing in his presence. This corruptible has put on incorruption. This mortal has put on immortality. And we're just gonna be free to be able to worship and praise him to the greatest extent that right now you and I can't even begin to imagine. I don't care how good of a worship time you've ever had or wherever it was. It is not even beginning to be compared to the worship and the praise and the glory that we're gonna have in that day. Currently, the gift of knowledge allows us to know some things that we we haven't learned or experienced. God just reveals these things to us. Now, that's possible only because of the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit through the working of that gift. But even with that, we're only able right now as paul says we see in a mirror and and dimly but you know what there's going to come that time when it's going to be face to face he says now i know in part but then i shall be known just or i shall know just as i am known guys there's going to be a time when we'll be knowledgeable of all things it's that point where we're going to be standing in we're going to be experiencing eternity that in a way that we just cannot do this in our mortality in the midst of our corruption of our own lives these the, these bodies that we live and so many people are so fearful of these chapters within the book of 1 Corinthians because they don't understand what these gifts are for, how to interpret them, how to use them. Some have stretched the meaning to be nothing close to what Paul is speaking about, both in the exaggeration of the meaning. Oh, well, this is what these gifts are. and They take it to such a strange, bizarre extreme that that the world looks and says, man, that's just wacko. That's just wacko. And then others have shut it down to a point that they're afraid to move within the strength of the gifts. Why? Because they don't understand them. I don't want to deal with something that I can't control. Well, beloved, if your life is only under what you can control, the woe be to you, okay? Uh, I want my life to be controlled by God, to go places that I wouldn't normally go to strengthen me in a way that I can't be strengthened on my own, to reveal to me things that I can't understand on my own. I want the Spirit of God to be working in me in a supernatural way. I don't want to be a wacko. I don't want to drive the world away from Christ because of my actions. But what I want to do is I want to be used by Christ in a powerful way that's not of myself. If we interpret the verses within the context of what Paul is telling us and try not to feed into it something that doesn't say, then I believe that the message and the meaning of these things is going to be very clear. Paul fully understood this whole concept that right now this world is only a shadow. But then, as he says, that when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part will be done away with. The gifts are temporary. They're used to allow us to experience a portion of all that God has planned and designed for us. But when this imperfect world passes away, guys, we move into that city whose builder and maker is God, then that which is in part is going to be done away with. And everything's going to be complete at that point in time. Paul tells us now abides faith, hope, and love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. Love will never end. Love will always remain. Love will always remain because our God is love. One of the greatest of his multiple attributes. And he remains forever. But we're not there yet, are we? No, unfortunately. We're still dealing with a limited world. We're still dealing with our our fleshly humanness. We're still dealing with something that's partial, something that, uh, again, something that in the hands of man can either be abused or ignored. Let's look at this. Chapter 14, 1 Corinthians. Beginning in verse 1, Paul tells us, pursue love. Now, this is the thing that he told us back in chapter 13. This is the greatest thing, and if you don't have this, you, you don't have anything. So now he's continuing on with that same mindset. Pursue love. That means that when I read something like that, that, that tells me it, it doesn't come natural, okay? So that tells me it's something supernatural that I've got to be seeking God for in my life. That kind of love. That again, the kind of love that God wants us to have. He says, Pursue love, and guess what? Desire spiritual gifts. But especially that you may prophesy. Listen, I grew up in a church that said, you know, in essence, man, the gifts, no way, no, no, we're, we're going to rip chapter 12, 13. Well, no, we'll keep 13. We'll use that in our wedding services, uh, though it has nothing to do with wedding services, and we'll take 13 and 14, rip them out of our Bible because they just don't make sense. We don't understand them, and we are afeared of them, okay? That's what they said where I grew up. We were afeared of them. But you know what? God says, desire spiritual gifts. So that means I better understand what it is I'm desiring. Amen? So that, again, you're desiring the right thing. You're not desiring the wrong thing, the incorrect thing. And you're desiring all that he has for you.
0: We're so glad you joined us today on The Open Word for Pastor David Landry's verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter teaching through the book of 1 Corinthians. You can find more messages from Pastor David and information about The Open Word by visiting our website, theopenword.com. If you're looking for a home church and are in the Casa Grande area, why not join us for a time of worship and Bible study? Calvary Chapel Casa Grande has services each Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. on Wednesdays and Saturdays. You can find location information and directions by going to TheOpenWord.com and following the links to the church homepage. Now here's Pastor David with some information on how you can help support the ministry of The Open Word.
1: Hey, I love being able to share the Word of God with you through this radio ministry. Radio programs like The Open Word are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. But as with any ministry, there are expenses. I know God is blessing His children through The Open Word, And God has given us a vision to see this ministry expand and reach even further. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word? Log on to theopenword.com and simply click on the support option to help us continue to grow.
0: Thanks, Pastor David. That's all the time we have for today. But join us again as we continue digging deeper into the book of 1 Corinthians, right here on The Open Word.